Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Come on, why don't you clap your hands for the Word of God. Thank you, Elton. Um, my, my oldest son, Liam, you saw him on the screen uh, earlier. He was one of the guys was, that was being interviewed. But Liam, on this past Thursday, he made one year. It was his one-year anniversary. Uh, wasn't it one year, two years? Second year, uh, his second anniversary or second birthday, spiritual birthday, from when he gave his life to Jesus. And so, um, so we made a big deal out of it. We were like, hey, you know, it's, it's, this is coming on two years. And, and we were pumping him up. And, you know, like, we're so proud of you. You made a decision to be a follower of Jesus. And, and as we're talking to him, he's like, hey, so since it's my spiritual birthday, uh, do, do I get a gift for, for that, for it being my spiritual birthday? And I immediately, you know, I never thought about that before, but I immediately, I'm sure Jennifer has. She's the most thoughtful parent ever, you know. But I, I immediately just said, well, absolutely, you get a gift. Who wouldn't want a gift on their spiritual birthday? And so that was on Thursday, and uh, every day he was just like, Dad, is today the day? Are we getting a gift for my birthday, for my spiritual birthday? Every single day. I mean, he would ask me all day long. And uh, so finally, yesterday, we, we, we went and served at, at uh, the school that we normally meet at uh, all day. And then afterwards, we went home. I was, I was like, man, just let me take a little short nap, and then we're going to go get your spiritual gift for your spiritual birthday. So we wake up, and, uh, and or, you know, he kept coming down to try to wake me up to, to bring him. But we hop in the car, and we head to, to a very spiritual place, Target. And, um, you know, we're getting a spiritual gift, right? Go to, go to Target. So we go to Target, and, uh, and we start walking up and down the aisles, and we're just looking at I mean, he And you got you to gotta understand, our son, Liam, when he is shopping, it will take him a solid hour to pick out one toy. I mean, it would just take him a while. He likes to analyze things. He's crunching numbers. You know, he's just like, he's very frugal. Um, and so we start looking up and down the aisles, and we finally found about three things. And I was like, do we need to pray about this? Like, what's the next step? How are we going to close the deal? And he, he finally picked out his, his gift for his spiritual birthday, and I actually, I, I, I took a picture because I wanted you to see. This was like a spiritual experience for him right here. Look at this. He got a, a BB-8, or is that what it's called? A BB-8, and we're charging it right now, and so we're going to get to experience his gift today uh, whenever we get home. But I started thinking about that because uh, that's the question. What is a spiritual gift? It's definitely not something you pick up at Target, okay? Definitely not that. But what is the spiritual gifts that God gives to us? And before I dig into the spiritual gifts, I want to give you these three things. I want you to write these down. There are three main gifts that God gives to the believers. The first one is this. It's the first gift, the most important one, the gift of eternal life. It's the gift of eternal life. Look what it says in Romans chapter 6. It says, for the wages, the penalty or the payoff, the wages of sin is death. Like if you sin, you live a lifestyle of sin, you continue to walk in sin, you never put your faith in Jesus, there's a payoff to that. Like at the end of your life, when you stand before God, there is a penalty, there is a wage, there's, someone's got to pay the bill. And the Bible says that when we live a life of sin, we have to pay the bill. But here's the good news. I love the buts in scripture. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. What does that mean? It means that though you live a life of sin, at the end of your life, there's a wage that you have to pay for that sin, which is death, eternal death, separation from God. The good news is, is that Jesus came to this earth. He lived 33 years of a sinless, perfect life for you and I. He lived for us, and then he died for us, and he paid the bill for our sin. Why? So that we could receive the free gift of eternal life. That's the first gift that God 
wants to give to every single person. It's the gift that he gives to every believer. It's imperative that you understand that it is, in fact, that a gift. That there is nothing you and I can do to merit it, to earn it. We can't do a certain amount of things to win his approval and his acceptance. There's only one, way, one thing we can do is just by faith we receive the gift of eternal life. Look what it says in Ephesians 2. It says, God saved you. I can relate to those first three words because my life was a mess, addicted to drugs, just running wild, empty on the inside, running from God. My life had zero purpose, but God saved me. There's some people that don't like that phrase. Like, I don't need to be saved. I'm okay. Listen, I needed to be saved. I don't know about you, but I needed to be saved uh, from a lot of things, including myself. And the Bible says that God saved you by his grace. That is his unmerited favor. It says, by his grace, when you believe, that's faith. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Thank God for that. So none of us can boast about it. Why am I pointing this out to you? Because this first gift, there's nothing you can do to gain it or to get it. There's nothing you can do other than just by faith, we receive the gift. That simply means that it's like God's extending this gift out to us, and faith is just us reaching out and taking it from him. The second gift I want to tell you, there's nothing you can do to receive this one either. Again, it's a faith thing. But the third one, there are some things that we can do to receive those gifts. Look, number two, the second gift that God wants to give us is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Look at this the, uh, in, in the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles, it says that Peter, the very first time uh, the gospel message was ever preached post the cross and the resurrection was this guy named Peter. And he's standing up in front of this massive crowd of people, and he just starts boldly proclaiming the truth of who Jesus was, what he did, and what he is going to do. And this is what uh, they, they ask him. They say, well, what are we supposed to do about, about what you've just said? And he ex explains this. He says, each of you, this is chapter 2 of Acts, each of you must repent. That simply means to, if you're thinking about going this way, just repent means to turn and go a different way. He says, repent of your sins and turn towards God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. He's speaking of water baptism, which we'll be uh, signing people up for water baptism coming up. And that's one of the best days of our church, celebrating changed lives. He says, turn away from your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive, look at this, the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love this. This promise is to you and to your children and to those that live in San Francisco, those far away, and all who have been called by our Lord God. In other words, the Holy Spirit is a gift that we receive as well. Nothing you can do to earn it. It's just something by faith we receive. You don't have to be charismatic to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. You receive the person of the Holy Spirit into your life to now guide you, to govern you, to bring correction in your life, to bring direction in your life, to empower your life. It's just a gift that we receive. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the weeks to follow. But here's the third one, and this is what we're going to lock in on today. And I know I'm speaking a little bit fast. I had 14 cups of coffee, so we could get through it today. But here's the third, third one right here. The gifts given by the Holy Spirit. Now, now I'm, I'm going to explain this in just a moment, but the title of this message is called The Gift That Keeps On Giving. Because we receive, number two, we receive the Holy Spirit, that gift, but he brings with him a whole lot of gifts. Don't you like those friends that just always show up with a gift? Teresa and Bob. Bob's sitting right over here. Teresa's out of town, but Teresa and Bob, every time they come to our house, they show up with gifts. Oh, I love Teresa and Bob. I mean, they're the, they are the gift. As friends, they are a gift to our life, but they are gifts that keep on giving. And I love them. 
the Bible says the Holy Spirit is a person and he is a gift that we receive. But when we receive him into our life, he brings with him a lot of gifts. These are spiritual gifts. And we're going to talk about that for a moment. But, but look at this. Um, 1 Corinthians 12.1 is, is, is a pretty interesting scripture. Paul says to the Corinthian church, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, he says, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. That word there, ignorant, that literally the Greek word means uninformed. It's not like you're a dumb person. You're just uninformed. He says, Corinthians, listen, I, I, as, as I've been listening to the way you've been talking about spiritual gifts and even the questions that you've been sending my way through letters, I'm realizing that you don't have any malicious intent, but you just don't actually understand what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are. And he's like, and I don't want that for you. I want to make sure that you are in the know, that you're not in the dark, that you're in the know, because this is so important for the life of the believer, Paul is saying as he goes on. And this is so important for the church, for the church to be built up, for people to be built up, for you to be built up, and for you to, to reach your full potential. I don't want you to be ignorant about these things. Now, here's the thing. There has been doctrines that have been established that actually believe that spiritual gifts no longer exist in the church or in the world today. Cessationism is a, is a doctrine, doctrinal belief that believes that, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that they were in operation at the very beginning of the foundation of the church, but once all the apostles died, all the spiritual gifts died with them. Now, you may have never heard of that before, or maybe you grew up in a denomination that believed that, you know, the gifts of the Spirit, they were like, there was a season and a time for them, but now they have ceased. Listen, I, I can tell you this, just so, you, just so we're clear, like I don't want you to get any like punch pulled on you. As a church, we believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they have not died, they have not ceased, they are alive today for the believers. We believe that. And if you don't, let me just, can I deconstruct cessationism for just a moment? Is that okay with you? I just want to, not to be mean, but just to show you why we believe what we believe. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, as it relates to the gifts of the Spirit, look at what Paul says. And this is a lot of text, but let's lean in today. This is very important. He says, prophecy, this is one of the spiritual gifts that we'll talk about in a moment. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages uh, and special knowledge will become useless, or the word means to cease. They will become useless. They will cease, he says, but love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture, but when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. They will cease, he says. When I was a child, I spoke and I thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly. Right now, currently, we see things imperfectly or partially, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then, then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. These, these things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul's saying there will be a day when the gifts will cease. Prophecy, speaking in unknown languages, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, all these dynamic and powerful gifts that the Holy Spirit puts in the lives of believers. Paul says, there's going to come a day where these things are going to cease. They're not going to last anymore. And then he tells you when that day will be. He doesn't say when the apostles die. He doesn't say whenever the church just kind of gets up off the ground. He says, there will be a day where we're going to see things perfectly. He's like, right now, we don't see things perfectly. 
We don't see things clearly. It's all partial. But there's coming a day where we're going to know God fully the way that he knows us now fully. Now, let me ask you this question. Do we see things perfectly now? No. Do we know God fully now? No. Are things completely clear to us individually or even collectively now? No, they're not. What Paul is talking about is the day when Christ returns and we see Jesus face to face. When everything that we've had questions about and we've wondered about, like why did my mom get cancer? Why did my kids, why did they, why did they leave our house and they were prodigal for all those years? Why did my husband leave me? And all those questions that we have and all those things we're wondering about and even those theological nuanced things that we just can't kind of make sense of that are partial right now, that are kind of like just a dim mirror that we're looking in. He says, there will come a day when Jesus returns and you're going to look him in the face and you're going to go, oh, now it all makes sense. See, that day hasn't come. And Paul says that day will come. But until that day comes, the gifts are for the church. I love that. If you don't believe that one, look, look at this one. First Corinthians chapter one. I feel like I'm trying to convince somebody. You're a great church. You're already convinced, but we're just like getting each other fired up. Okay. First Corinthians chapter one, he says this. Now you have every Spiritual gift. Now, he's not speaking to an individual. He's speaking to a church. Do you know that every single gift, watch this, every single gift that Sozo Church needs to build our church to go to the next level, it's in this room right now. It's not just Jason. It's not just Josh's gift, although Josh is gifted and he's good looking. It's not built on that, Josh. Everything that our church needs to be built right now in San Francisco in this season, in this stage, and for us to go to the next level, it's, it's already in this place because it's in you. Every gift that we need. I love it. He says this, a spiritual gift. Sorry, uh, now you have every spiritual gift you need. Watch this. As you do what? As you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's theology was this, is that Christians and churches, they have spiritual gifts and they have every one that they need to be built up. And they should continue to operate in those, know what they are, be engaged in what they, they can do, and use them to build up not their own kingdom, but to build up the kingdom of God. And he says, and, and as you're building and as you're using these tools and using these gifts, just be eagerly waiting for Jesus to return. The implication is this, is that you have gifts. They haven't ceased. Use them until Jesus comes back. Amen? I love that. 1 Corinthians 12 says this, a spiritual gift is given, look at this, say this with me, to, oh, that was so weak. Thank you, thank you. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can do what? We can help each other. We can help each other. Now, now this is just my last little point underneath the debunking and deconstructing of cessationism, is if spiritual gifts are given to every single one of us so that we can help each other, why would a good God take a good gift from his kids that actually in, equips them to help other people. See, we serve a good God that desires for us to help each other, to serve one another, to love one another, to build one another up. You know how you do that? You, you don't just build people up by just saying a couple of kind words while that's important. There are spiritual gifts on the inside of you. They're more than talents. They're tools. They're tools for building people up, for building people's spirits up, building people's lives up. Why would God ever cease to allow those to operate in the church if they're to help each other. That's just my little personal theology on that. Let me give you two different definitions of spiritual gifts as we unpack this a bit more. Uh, Dr. Wayne Grudem from his systematic theology book, there's some good stuff in there and some stuff I disagree with, but if you are into that kind of thing, go dig into that book a bit. Eat the meat, spit out the bones. But here's his definition. A spiritual gift 
is, Siri just started talking to me. There you go. A spiritual gift. Hey, Siri, 2 p.m. Dear God, I rebuke you. One of the spiritual gifts is to cast out demons. I cast that out in Jesus' name. Okay. Uh, Wayne Grudem says this, a spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. I think that's a pretty good definition. I just like mine better. Uh, I wrote my own down, and I took this from uh, a couple of different uh, scholars that that drafted up a definition, and this is my personal definition. It's a little long, um, but I want to actually look at the way you have it up here. Can you put that up on the screen? A spiritual gift. This is uh, Jason Laird. All right, look, I, I put this down, and I underlined the things that I feel like are really important. Look at this. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability. This isn't just like you're good at that, okay? Now, although God gave you that, this is more than that. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability that who gives that God gives to each believer so that, I love this, together we can advance his purposes in the world. I want to read that one more time. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability that God gives to each believer so that together we can advance his purposes in the world. There's so many beautiful things right there. Thank you so much. There's so many great things in that particular definition, and I'm not just saying it because I wrote it. I stole it from a lot of different people and kind of made our own little thing, but the point that I'm trying to make to you is this, is that there are gifts, spiritual gifts, that God, through the Holy Spirit, has given every single one of you. He's given you those gifts, and they're supernatural. They are special, and they're unique to you. Like they're gifts that, you know, you may have the gift of prophecy in another person, but because it comes through your personality and the way that God's wired you, it's unique and special within a church, within a community of faith. And they're given by God, watch this, not so that you can just go and make a bunch of money, not so that you can use those just to go build, a, you know, your little kingdom and empire. God actually gives you spiritual gifts, supernatural abilities, so that together, all of us together, we can advance his purpose. There's a lot of people that have discovered their spiritual gifts. They wouldn't call them spiritual gifts because they're spiritually blind. And they're not using them together with other people within a spiritual community. They're just using them by themselves to make money, maybe even to make a difference in different things. And I would even submit to you that they're, they're, they're using it, and it's pretty impressive because that is what God gave them. And you may even see them, hear them sing, or see them communicate, or different things. You're like, wow, this person's talented. No, listen, it's not just talent. There's a spiritual gift, but they're using it like a talent rather than like a tool in the hands of the Holy Spirit to build his kingdom. They're advancing their kingdom, not God's kingdom. And even though they may, good on, may look good on the outset, imagine how powerful how effective and how much greater and stronger their life could be if they actually tapped into a power source called the Holy Spirit and they actually use it to advance his kingdom. Thank you, Freddie. That was a good one there. Hey, let me give you, let me give you a, a, a list of, oh, before I give you that, I want to do something. I put this in my notes. I wanted to, to take a, this is off the cuff, raw moment. If you're part of our dream team here, dream team are the people that volunteer to, to do this every single weekend to serve and to build if you're part of our dream team, I want you just to stand up on your feet really quick. If you've gone through the growth track, you're a part of our dream team. Come on, you can do better than that. Stay standing for a moment. These are people 
These are people that, that have simply said, I, I want to discover my spiritual gifts. Many of them have discovered their spiritual gifts. Some of them are in the process of still even discovering their spiritual gifts. But what I want to do is I want to take a moment to honor you because this church is currently now and will always be this type of church, a church that is not built on the gift or the talent of just one person, but on the sacrifice, on the talents, on the gifts, on the calling, and on the anointing of God of many people. This will always be a church that's not built by one person or one personality, but on all of us. I'm just one member within this little family right here. This is my little gift. My little gift is I just communicate. And there's so many other gifts. Running, Could you imagine me running audio, Dylan? It would be a train wreck. But Dylan's gifted. But all of us together, we've discovered our gifts, and we're doing the best of our ability to do what? To advance God's kingdom in San Francisco as it is in heaven. Could we clap our hands for these guys that are standing right here? Thank you guys so much. I love you. I love all of you. Sit down. So there's three things that I want you to do with your gifts. Because every one of you have gifts. Every one of you. You maybe have never thought about this, but every one of you have gifts. Every single one of you. And there's three things that I want you to do. The first one is this. I want you, you need to discover your gifts. You need to. You, ha- you have to discover your gifts. Listen, I'm not even telling you you have to use them here. But you have to discover your gifts. Because, listen, when you discover what God's put on the inside of you and you begin to, you begin to work that out, you will sense so much fulfillment in your life. Like there's some of you right now, you, you work a job and thank God for his provision and giving you that job. But you know, as well as I know, that you're still empty on the inside. You, you just, you're still even working in that job just because you have to pay your bills. And I understand that. But I believe that you can, it doesn't matter about where you're at working. If you discover your spiritual gifts, I believe no matter where you are planted in place, God can use your spiritual gifts to make a difference, a spiritual difference in people's lives. I was talking to a guy the other day. He works at a, a huge company here in the city. And I wasn't talking to him. I was listening to him in a small group. I was kind of just listening to what God was speaking to him. And he said this, I feel like this next year, God wants to use the gift of pastoring for me to pastor my team. This isn't a church where he works. This isn't some spiritual environment. Matter of fact, it's probably just the opposite of that. And yet this guy has a spiritual gift to pastor and to lead people. And he says, I just sense God wants to use that gift where I'm planted to pastor and to lead. I don't even know what it's going to look like. I have no clue what it'll look like, but my answer is yes. God, I want you to use my spiritual gift to pastor the people on my team. You don't have to work at a church. You don't have to, you know, it's not just about this. Think about it. This is only an hour and a half on a Sunday. You have lives way bigger than that, and I get it. But the gifts in you or to advance God's kingdom, I believe, through this local church, but also just through your life in this city, you got to discover the gifts. Look at this, Romans 12. We have different gifts according to the grace that is given to each of, each of us. You have a grace on your life. You do. Paul told Timothy, be strong in your grace. There are different gifts. There are different graces within this house. You don't have to compare your gift and your grace to someone else's. You do that, you'll start minimizing your grace and your gift. You start comparing your grace and your gift, you will fall into a trap of competition. Comparison breeds competition. And competition either builds pride or insecurity. God never compares that which he creates. Why do we do that? We begin, to, we begin to quantify and qualify gifts, and this gift's stronger than this one. That's actually one of the things Paul was addressing in Corinthians. He was like, some of you think speaking in tongues is, 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 is this special gift higher than everybody else. He was like, it's not. That's actually the one that he mentions last on the gifts of the Spirit. He was like, there's not different, different categories. He was like, he was like there, there's all these different gifts that God gives 
to different people, different gifts, different grace. I want to put these up on the screen. I'm not going to expound them or build them out, but I just want you to see the wide variety. There's some people that believe there's nine gifts of the Spirit. There's some that believe there's 25 or 27. I personally think there's that Paul is not trying in the New Testament to give you an exhaustive list. He's just saying there's a, there's a buffet. I love buffets. There is a buffet of spiritual gifts that God gives. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 12, there's the gift of apostle, prophet, teacher, miracles, gift of healing, gift of helps, administration or leadership, gift of tongues. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, uh, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. A lot of these overlap, as you can see. Romans 12 uh, says prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing, leadership, mercy. Ephesians 4, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And then look at these two right here. I never even saw these as spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 7, marriage and celibacy. God, I thank you that you haven't given me the gift of celibacy. In Jesus' name. If God has given you that gift, God bless you. Be strong in your grace, my brother. And I'll be strong in my grace of marriage. 1 Peter Chapter 4, there's these two right here. Whoever speaks, I love how Peter does this. He just puts it in two categories. Whoever speaks, that's covering several communication gifts, and whoever uh, renders service, that's those that are task-oriented, maybe even behind the scenes. I love that. There's a lot of different gifts. The point I'm trying to make is this, is there, there are so many gifts, and I know that there's, in that, just in that little list right there, you may have one, two, three, four different gifts. For me, I discovered my gifts uh, kind of the hard way. I got thrown in the mix, and I figured it out. Uh, but I was in Lima, Peru on a mission trip, and I had just kind of freshly given my life to Jesus, fresh out the club. Still smelt like smoke. I mean, fresh out the club. And I went on a mission trip, and um, they had all like other people on the team that were very spiritual, and so they were like sharing their testimonies and all that kind of stuff. They wouldn't let me do that at first. My role was I had to dress like Jesus in this white sheet and a purple sash. It was terrible. But all I had to do was simple. I could remember my lines. I never said anything. I just walked out at the end of the, of the deal when people were, like, doing drugs in this little play. They were, like, doing this, like, skit. And people were, like, doing drugs and, like, beating up people and stuff. And at the end, I walk out as Jesus in this robe. And I just did this. <laughs> and it's like people would come and fall at their feet, at my feet right there, you know. And towards, like, day three, this lady, Elise Cole, she goes, she goes, Jason, I really just sense. Now, this is the gift of prophecy, right? She goes, I really just sense that there's, there's a, a, a preaching, a communication gift on your life. Now, she, the only communication she had heard of at that point is me cursing. So I'm like, how does she see that? I believe because a, a spirit of prophecy doesn't tear people down and point out their flaws, but it points out their potential. And it builds people up. And she, she spoke to my potential. She activated it. And she said, now get up. She goes, I want you just to start preaching and share your, share your testimony. I was so nervous. I think I peed my pants a little bit in my, my robe a little bit. <laughs> but I got up there, and I just started talking at first. And I was just kind of articulating my journey, my narrative, my story, what it was like before I met Jesus, how I met Jesus, and, then, and, and what I feel like God's called me to do. And while I was doing that, all of a sudden, Man, I started, I went from like talking to, I went to like preaching. I mean, I was like, just like, I feel like T.D. Jakes. I was just like, I didn't even know who that was at the time, but I was like, just, just like going for it. And I just started sharing the gospel of Jesus, how Jesus came to, to set people free. He came to give people a fresh start and a new beginning. He laid down his life. And I'm just preaching. And while I was preaching, I'm in the deep end, right? 
She didn't just put me in the shallow end. She just kicked me into the deep end. I'm in the deep end preaching, and I really just sense, and the way that I, I, I just kind of hear from God is as something I sense. I sense that, that the Holy Spirit was saying, you're going to do this for the rest of your life. I was 18 years old. My gift was activated by a word of prophecy, but I had to jump into the deep end and just try something. And in that moment, God, I discovered one of my gifts, gifts of preaching, gift of communication. And there's some other gifts that I've discovered. How did I discover the other gifts? I went through a spiritual, I went through a, uh, a something called a growth track, which is what we do today, step three of the growth track. It's a four-week class, one hour, uh, where we just talk through different things, the story about our church. You become a member there. You can discover your design, your spiritual gifts in that class. Uh, you, can, you can also discover what it means to be a leader here. But I was in one of those, those classes called growth track, and I discovered that I have a gift of leadership. Well, what does that mean? Well, I have a gift of being able to influence people to go places and to do stuff, to get things done. And I use that to build God's kingdom. I have a gift of uh, apostle where I'm able to bring oversight to things. And I've even, I never even knew that. And now it's crazy. I was operating in one of those gifts, apostle, bigger than just, our, just this church, but overseeing and, and influencing other things outside of our church. And I began to look back over the last 10 years of my life, how many pastors just are drawn to, to come and to just... They want to hear, like, what is God doing here? How do you guys do this? Well, it's, bring, it's influencing bigger things outside of our church. I never even knew that that was a gift until I went through this class. And the point I'm trying to make to you is you, you have to discover your gifts because as you watch this, God's design, like as you discover his design in you, God's design in you reveals God's destiny for you. There's a lot of people that will never live their destiny because they haven't discovered their design. I love how David said, I'll just read a portion of this, Psalm 139. He says, God, for you created my, look at this, my inmost being. See, God didn't just create your nose. God didn't just create your hair or your body. He didn't just create the, like everything out here. He created your inmost being. He wired you together with certain personality traits and certain strengths and gifts and graces in a unique way to be his unique expression of his glory in the earth to do remarkable things. And unless you discover your gifts and you discover your design, you'll never discover your destiny. You'll never fully walk into it. Second thing I want for every one of you is this, is for you to, to develop the gifts you've been given. You should develop them. It wasn't enough for me to discover that I had a gift to communicate. You know what I began to do immediately? I started buying books and just reading books on communication, communicating for a change, preaching. There's another book called uh, Can You See Me? Or what was it? I can't remember, but I had all these books. I just kept buying books, buying books, buying books, and I would just devour those books. You know why? Because I finally discovered, man, this is what God's put in me. I want to get this stuff out of me. I want to develop it. I want to grow in this and then continue to pursue learning even more and growing even more in those things. I love what 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says this, follow the way of love. And eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. In this context here, what he's saying is this. is like there's some gifts that you don't currently have that you even need to eagerly desire and pursue. What is he saying? Is that you need to grow, continue developing and growing in the gifts. Some of you, you can discover that maybe you have a gift of hospitality. And then you say, you know what? I want to start showing up early and, and serving and being you know, helping with the hospitality team here, you may start with that being the first gift that you've discovered, but as you begin to grow in that gift, all of a sudden you discover that you have another gift, and you start to develop more gifts 
I believe that God wants to do that in our lives. I believe he's hardwired some gifts in you, but there's some gifts that he will give to you based on your request. He actually says this, if you're gonna, if you're gonna pursue certain gifts of the spirit out of that long list, if you're gonna want, desire things and grow in things, he goes, I would desire that you would seek and pursue the gift of prophecy because the gift of prophecy is a gift, a communication gift to build people up, to edify people, to strengthen people. See, we live in a, a, the last probably 100 years, people have just pursued this gift of speaking in tongues, where Paul says, that, and I'm getting into it in, in two weeks, but Paul says the gift of speaking in tongues or praying in a prayer language, that maybe builds yourself up. He was like, you should pursue something even better than that. You should pursue the gift of prophecy to build other people up. Because the kingdom is not just about you. It's about other people. You can develop your gifts. Here's the practical thing I'm telling you to do is you need to go through the growth track or something like it. You can take a spiritual gifts test by yourself if you just stayed at home and, and, and Googled it. It'd be great. But remember the definition is your spiritual gifts are to be used together. Your gifts are not just for you. They're for us. They're for God's kingdom to be built up. And you, even if you discover your gifts, if they're not placed in a, in a community, you'll never fully reach your full potential. So you could discover it by yourself. But I'd encourage you to discover it in our growth track. Even if you skip all the other ones, just come to, I, I would even tell you this, I don't want you to do this. I really don't. But I am so passionate about this. Just skip all of them and just come to step two if you have to. Josh is like sweating over here that I'm saying that. He's the systems guy. He's like, Jason, don't tell him that. That's a bad idea. The point I'm trying to make to you is I, I want you to know what God's put in you so bad. Like, I hope you sense that. Like, no polish. I'm just being as real as possible. I want you to know what's in you. There's so much in you. you got to find out what it is. Go through the growth track. Figure out what that is. But then start developing that. Just become a student. Don't be an expert. If you're an expert, eventually you'll become a critic. Have a posture of humility and say, I just want to learn. I just want to grow. When I found out I had a gift of communication, I started setting up meetings with different preachers and communicators. I want to learn how to communicate. Teach me. I would ask questions. I'd come prepared with questions. Uh, so develop the gifts that are in you. And then here's the third one is this one. Is you just got to do something. Do something with the gifts you've been given. Do something. Turn to your neighbor and say, do something. Elton, do something. First Peter chapter 4, he said, I'm trying, if you didn't hear him. <laughs> I'm trying. First Peter chapter 4, look at this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Watch this. Not as owners. You don't own your gift. But as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You're a steward of that gift. The gift that's in you God put on loan. It's not even yours. He's loaned it to you, and he wants to know, will you be faithful? I believe the more faithful we are as stewards of the gift, the more opportunities God will give us to use our gift. you got to use a gift. Look at what it says in the New Living Translation. I love this. Same scripture. It says, God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Look at this. Manage them well. Steward them well. So that God's generosity can flow through you. Man, this just got me so fired up last night. It was midnight. I'm sitting at my dining room table, and I about jumped up and started screaming, but everybody was asleep. But I got fired up when I read this because just the thought, think about this, the thought that, that God can flow through your life and minister to people, encourage people, Help people be reconciled to him. 
that God could use your gift of hospitality. You may not have a gift to preach. That doesn't matter. God could use your hospitality when a person walks in and they've had the worst week of their life. And yet you, man, you're smiling. It's the first smile they've seen. And you're smiling. You're like, how was your day? And you see it on them. And they just, they sense the hospitality of the Holy Spirit coming through you, flowing through your life. And literally they run to you and you just, you, you hug them and they experience the presence of God. You, a person come in and they haven't had anyone say an encouraging word. They've had people their whole life tell them what they're not and what they can't do and how they're worthless and how they'll never amount to nothing. And you have the gift of prophecy and you see them and you're having a conversation with them and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, you just sense it, you just need to tell them, you are valuable, you are loved. God has a plan for you and you just start being used by the Holy Spirit in the gift of prophecy and, and all of heaven starts flowing through your life and you see God begin to literally transform their self-esteem in that moment. Is there anything better than, than having God Almighty, the creator of heavens and the earth, flow through your life to minister to people? Thank you, Neely. God oh, gets me fired up. First Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, hey, Timothy, do not neglect the spiritual gift you receive. Don't neglect it. I love it in the, the Passion Translation. It says, Paul says, Timothy, don't minimize the powerful gift that operates in your life. How many times do we minimize? You think, I just have the gift of like organization and administration. Like, it's not that big of a deal. You are a big deal. God says to you today, you're a big deal. Don't minimize what's in you. I put it in there for a special assignment to establish my kingdom, to advance my purposes, to flow through your life. Don't minimize it. Don't neglect it. You got to use it. He says this, for it was imparted to you by the laying on of hands of the elders, the spiritual leaders of the church. They laid hands on you and prayed for you. That's why prayer is so powerful. There's some things that are taught. There's some things that are caught where people can pray with you. And that doesn't mean just me. There's people. I believe that there's no divide between minister and member. We're all, we can all be spiritual leaders in the kingdom of God. And we pray with one another and we lay hands on one another in an appropriate way, hand on the shoulder and we just, God, I agree with this person. I pray over this person, Holy Spirit. There's something, he says, that happened to you, Timothy, when the spiritual leaders lay hands on you and look at this, and it was activated through the prophecy they spoke over you. That's it, somebody saw the gift in them, caught it out, just activated the gift. Here's the last thing I want to share with you uh, as the band begins to come up is that my desire, as I was thinking about this, my desire and Jennifer's desire and really our whole team's desire is that, you know, we talk about this thing called the growth track every week. Some of you are like, God, I wish they'd stop talking about that. We won't. We'll never stop. The only time we'll stop talking about that is if we find a better system to accomplish the vision of our church, which is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. And the growth track helps us accomplish some of that. It helps us help people discover the spiritual gifts in them. So we'll never stop talking about it because we are relentless for this one thing. I deeply desire for every single person in our church that calls Sozo Church home to get to the place where they can say this, I was made for this. Stephen, I want you to be able to say that. I was made for this. I was made for this. Seth, I want you to be able to say, I was made for this. Jeffrey, I hope one day when you're standing up here and you're singing and you're leading us like John Legend, but in the presence of God, 
I hope that there's a moment where you're singing and you're leading and something on the inside of you just says, I was made for this. My prayer is for every person at our church to have that moment in this house, but outside of this church, where you've, man, you've discovered your gifts. You say, I was made for this. So a guy named Miles Monroe, he said this. He's gone to be with Jesus. I don't know much about him other than my mom really liked him. <laughs> I looked up some of his quotes a few years ago, and this one really stuck out to me. He said this, the wealthiest place in the world is not the gold mines of South America or the oil fields of Iraq or Iran. They are not the diamond mines of South Africa or the banks of the world. The wealthiest, the wealthiest place on the planet is just down the road. It is in the cemetery. There lie buried companies that never were started, inventions that were never made, best-selling books that were never written, and masterpieces that were never painted. In the cemetery is buried the greatest treasure of untapped potential and gifts. In coma, there's a lot of people that never discovered their gifts. My prayer for every one of you is that you would discover what God's put in you so that he can flow through your life. Amen. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we love you so much. We just thank you for this word. I, I pray that you've ministered to people, encouraged people. I think probably my major objective was just to stir up a desire in people's heart to figure out the gifts that you've placed in them. Every one of us have gifts and you want to flow through our lives. I pray for a spirit of wisdom that every person, they would have the wisdom to understand what those gifts are. God, your word says in James that we just have to ask for wisdom. So right now we ask for it. Some of you in here right now, you, you've never discovered your gifts. I would encourage you right now just to say, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom to know what's in me, what you've put in me. God, I pray that people would discover those gifts and that they would say yes to being used by you. Thanks for listening. Join us each week on the podcast or live in San Francisco, California. Keep up with life at Sozo Church by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.